The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. All right. Um, hey, everybody. Y'all doing good? Am I doing good? Uh, let's see. Let me get my... I'm a little disorganized. That's the theme around here. All right, so I'm going to read from Isaiah 48:11. We're just going to look at one verse again tonight. One verse, and um, and then we're going to break it down. Now, on as you guys know, on Wednesdays, I'm assuming you know this. By this point in the day, if you don't know it, you haven't been paying attention. We talk about uh, biblical sexuality, relationships, biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, um, and 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 really try to get an understanding for what God has for us when it comes to relationships. So, in your life, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of people screw up relationships, and you're going to think, man, that's too bad. That's crazy. Wonder why, uh, wonder, wonder why she's with him. Wonder why she stays in those types of relationships. And it's not going to make sense to you, and, and then you're going to watch that happen repeatedly. And it's going to be like really confusing. And it's because uh, relationships are a point of tension and contention, particularly when it comes to relationships between men and women. Now, let me tell you, when I was... Uh, the, the first time I ever really saw this and it, and it hit me really hard was when I was a junior in high school. Now, do y'all know, um, do y'all know what cruising is? Y'all don't know what cruising is. Let me tell you, okay, let me rant for a minute. Old folks, can I get a witness? I need to rant. I need permission from old people. You, your generation, young people, needs to know what it's like to be bored you need to know what it's like to have nothing to do and to have nothing electronic to stare at. You need to know what it's like to not have games to play, social media to interact with. You need to know what life is like apart from TikTok, apart from Instagram. Can I get a witness? Like, like you guys need to understand. So listen, here's the thing. When I was a kid, look, kids right now are like, what is she talking about exactly? Like you're, some of your head's about to blow off right now. Look, here's the thing. When I, when I was a kid, and I remember old people used to do what I'm doing to y'all right now. They used to talk about how it was when they were kids, you know, whatever. But y'all listen to me, because I'm the old person now, and I'm going to talk to you. When I was a kid, we ain't have cell phones. In fact, when I was 30 three years old I got a bag phone of which y'all know nothing about a bag phone this is what it sounds like it's a bag about this big you lunk that thing around slung over your shoulder you might get a signal if you're close to a big city or some kind of satellite or something I don't know and then maybe some other people had one of them phones all right so and those are the people you communicate with okay so now <laughs> When I was a teenager, we would go cruising. And cruising is where, it's what it sounds like. It's a bunch of teenagers from a bunch of towns all around. Different towns come together. We would cruise. My favorite place to cruise was in my hometown of Waynesville, North Carolina, at the Waynesville Plaza, where we had a store called Sky City. Y'all also ain't know nothing about Sky City. Amazon, thanks to Amazon, and Sky City it don't exist. I'm a little sore about that. Sky City was like, you got Walmart. So in most people's world, you got like, Target, Walmart, it's like a tier. Do y'all remember Kmart? Do y'all remember Roses? Sky City's right here, okay? 
We track. So let me let me let me take you on the scale. Family dollar, dollar general. Y'all with me? Okay. So Sky City, we cruised the Sky City parking lot. They had uh, they had uh, uh, Three Little Pigs Barbecue was down there. There was, uh, there was an ice cream place. And people get in this parking lot and they cruise uh, around the parking lot. And people like me ain't have no gas money because I drove a 72 Chevy with a 350 and had done board that sucker out. And it got six miles to the gallon. Had palsy traction, glass packs. It was dirty. And so I would back that thing in, drop the tailgate, and then me and my buddies would sit on the tailgate. We just sit around like that. Well, one night, John Middleton pulled in. And right now, you, young people, y'all are thinking, that sounds boring. Exactly. You had to think and be creative and come up with something to do. So we're just sitting around, a few hundred teenagers, maybe a couple thousand from different schools, and everybody's gathered around. And people get, a lot of times people get in fights. Y'all can't get no fights today. Don't get no fight at school. They take you. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm going to give a rant inside of a rant. Let me tell you, when I was in school, they, we ain't need no school resource officer because we had a shop teacher named Bill Day. He was about 6'3", 290, and had a paddling called the Enforcer, a paddle. And when you got in trouble, it did not matter what your mama thought. You were getting your butt whooped at school. Whooped, pure whooped with a, with a big wooden stick. I'm talking about a paddle. And Bill Day, when he hit you with that paddle, I'm talking about... You're coming off the ground. You're getting air. Like you come in. I remember you come in like, whoo, man, you got some air because everybody be cramming around to watch you get whooped because this said whooping took place in the hall at the school. They ain't need, look, they want no need for no SRO because Bill Day was going to deal with you, all right? He was a shop teacher. And I remember uh, kids used to get in fights at school. There's this guy, I remember this, and you know what boys will fight over? Girls ever dang time girls that they wouldn't even be going with in about three days from now it was like the funniest thing this guy named frank and frank was known for being like this some kind of like black belt karate guy you know what i'm saying like frank was the karate dude and so then there's this guy named alan sawyer and alan sawyer was he was just like a redneck you know and and Alan Sawyer was like, he had the skull ring back here in like in ninth grade, you know what I'm saying? And that was acceptable in the 80s, early 80s, you know? Like he had a skull ring, he wore Chippewa logging boots to school, to school every day, and he was just a country boy. And Frank, Frank was not a country boy. Frank wore these pants called Z Cavaricis and had a mullet and, and, and could do high kicks and stuff like that. He was like, he was karate kid. He was the Cobra Kai, you know? And so they get in a fight. I remember right outside the lunchroom, I'm walking to Miss O'Kelly's chemistry class, and it, the word goes out, Frank and Alan Sawyer are going to get in a fight. Everybody know, like, we got to say, everybody's going to go watch this. See, this is something y'all been deprived of. We would all go crowd and look down that hall and watch this fight go down. And I'm, and boy, I'm going to tell you what now, old Frank tried to go into the, you know, and Alan Sawyer said, I come like that and then and then got on top of old Frank and boxed him down you know and wore him out and it was bad so anyway back to that we was cruising we was cruising and I was sitting on the tailgate and my buddy John Middleton was sitting there and uh, this old boy his name is Michael I can't remember his last name Michael and he was dating this girl I can't remember don't remember her last name and don't even remember her first name <laughs> but I remember Michael and, they, and remember, he was like, he was a senior. She was like a freshman or sophomore. And he was always, he, he kept her beat down, man. Like, she was always, like, just doing what he told her and mess like that, you know. And she just, and he was like, he was a punk. 
punk, man. And y'all know the preacher ain't supposed to talk about people like that, except the preacher supposed to say the truth, you know what I'm saying? And I'm telling you, this dude was a jerk. And so I remember that we're sitting there, and I don't know what caused it, but he's yelling at her. And he's screaming at her, and they're just they're just a little ways over there. And all of a sudden, he I don't remember if he smacked her, pushed her, shoved her, but he physically abused her. Well, John Middleton come right, John Middleton grew up in a house where he had seen his daddy do that to his mama, and he's like, "Damn, we ain't, that ain't that ain't going down. That ain't going down." So here we go. We John goes over there, and he starts he starts explaining some stuff to Michael, but he won't talking. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he was talking, he was communicating. There's communication, then there's talking. He was communicating, you know what I mean? So he's over there, and he, y'all, he, he was beating this dude. Like, it was hilarious. I'm like, how's this feel? You like this? Oh, oh yeah, now it ain't, ain't so fun. Like this. And John was a bad dude. He, and I remember I ran over there, and I was like, oh, gosh, he's going to kill him. And it goes from this is funny to uh, we got to stop John from going to prison, you know. And, and I remember I grabbed my buddy John, and he turned around and hit me right. He was in, like, in this rage, you know. He didn't even know what he's doing. He hit me right square across the side of the nose in the eye. Man, I had a black eye, a swollen, cracked up nose. And, and I was like, what did you do that for? And then we finally get him pulled off, you know. And, and, uh, and I remember later, I, later I was like, you punched me in the face, man. I'm trying to keep you out of prison. He's like, I'm sorry, man. I was just out of control, man. I, he hit that girl. I was so mad. And I remember we're like, finally, you know, we, a couple of girls gave her a ride home and we told that dude, listen, we were like, that. we're going to set that cat straight. He ain't doing this no more. And we got around him. We're like, you ain't going to put a hand on her. Guess what? That's on Friday night. On Monday, my man showed up at school. Both eyes are black. His nose is swollen. His lips are swollen. He'd been wore out. And that girl walking behind him like this, holding his hand. And I thought, what in the world? Well, you should go back to Genesis 3, and when God made the first people, he made them in marriage. So Genesis 2, Genesis 1 and 2, God makes the first couple. And in Genesis 3, things start to unravel, and we're going to peek at that a little bit later, but things start to unravel. We're going to peek at God bringing those first two people together. But when they start to unravel, one of the, one of the effects of that is tension in a relationship that both man and woman are trying to figure out like where do I fit into this thing like what's my role am I what, how, how am I supposed to love this person and not be selfish how do I love this person in a way that I'm meeting her needs and then she's loving me and and and, and our needs are being mutually met it's hard work y'all relationships are hard work and your generation is being told that relationships are just as as come and go as as like likes on your favorite social media app and relationships that that are worth anything that are going to last are hard work where you have to care more about this other person than you care about yourself and the problem with your generation right now when it comes to relationships and now i'm being dead serious the problem is you're taking relationship advice whether you realize it or not you're taking relationship advice from Hollywood and the media and from your favorite hip-hop or country artists, your favorite film and movie and television stars, shows that don't make any sense. We're letting those people set the standard for beauty and relationship and sex and sexuality, and they are doing that when in their own relationships they're operating at, a, at above 90% attrition rate. 
which means more than 90% of their relationships fail. So let's take somebody that's going to fail relationship after relationship after relationship after relationship, but they're going to sell billions of records to people talking about relationships, and let's do what they're telling us to do. It makes no sense whatsoever. No sense. But your generation is being lied to, and I ain't saying, I ain't talking about y'all, I ain't pointing nobody out, but there's some people in this room, you're buying the lie. I don't know who you are. There's girls in this room right now, you're already in relationships that are destructive, that are going to cause pain, going to cause damage that you're going to carry with you, scarring. There's boys in this room right now, and you're so enslaved to your own selfish desires that you see women as nothing more than objects, and objectivity is the name of the game for you in a relationship. I know there's guys here, that's your struggle. But I believe that the majority of the people sitting in this room, you want to get this right. You want to do this God's way. You want to do this in a way that it's satisfying and fulfilling, and I want to help you do that tonight. We want to help you do that today. We want to give you biblical truth that if you hold on to it, you can reject the world's lies and hold fast to what the Scripture teaches, and you can do relationships in a way that not only honors the Lord, but brings joy and fulfillment in your own life and in the life of this other person. I don't claim to know everything there is to know about it. I've been married 27 years, and I can tell you I've got a long way to go and a lot to learn. But I know this, the Word of God is where we learn it, not out there. Not on, not, not right here. Not right here. That's not where you learn relationships. You don't learn it from Hollywood. You don't learn it from the world. You don't learn it from somebody that got famous because they convinced enough people to click on their videos and watch them on YouTube. That does not make a, pe- a person smart. And that means they figured out how to market their stuff. They figured out how to get people to watch their stuff. The Word of God, here's what it says about itself. The grass withers, the flower fades, the Word of our Lord will stand forever. And if we will fix our eyes on Scripture and build relationships that are outlined for us in the Word of God, we'll find fulfillment and peace and joy and happiness. And it'll be hard work, but I'll care more about this other person than I care about myself. At the end of the day, it won't be about me. It'll be about somebody else. So let's drill into it. Let's talk about it for a few minutes. How do we do this? How do we do this? Isaiah 48, 11 says this. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Now, this is God talking, and he's talking to Israel, which is like God will use um, his relationship to the people of Israel. He'll use it as a... God will use his relationship to the people of Israel as a picture of marriage, or he'll like use marriage to describe that, and he'll do that with us. You might have heard in Ephesians 5, the scripture says that we are like the bride of Jesus. We're the bride of Christ. So God's talking about Israel, his people, and what they've done is they've started to worship another God, and God will use this really graphic, graphic, graphic imagery of Israel worshiping other gods is like a man who has a wife who prostitutes herself to other men. It's really graphic. Had an email from a mom a couple weeks ago that said, I said inappropriate things in this particular message. That's what the scripture teaches. And it's time, if, if, if you can be exposed to the things you're going to be exposed to in the world, then I will be danged if I'm not going to open the word of God and say, here's what scripture says to you about relationships. 
and what, and what you are expected to learn as a 14, 16, 17, 18-year-old person, as an 11, 12, 13-year-old person in your school, what you are held responsible for when test day comes is so far above my head when it comes to things like algebra and chemistry and physics. But I'm going to tell you, if you can be held to that academic standard, then we are going to have to answer to, God's as pa- to God as pastors and shepherds and mamas and daddies if we don't hold you to God's standard for your own life and holiness. The Word of God tells us how to live. And it starts with this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A recognition that God is holy and that my life is to be lived in a reflection of that holiness and my life is to be lived in a way that reflects his glory and he says to his people Israel in Isaiah 48 the the world the world has prostituted herself to my people Israel and she's gone after that in other words he was saying my people have turned from what my word says my people have turned from my teaching about relationship and have pursued the world's way and I'm not okay with it and he says I'm not going to give my glory to anyone else because I'm jealous for my glory God is jealous for your worship young man God is jealous for your worship young lady the Lord Jesus is jealous for your purity for your holiness he's jealous for the relationship he wants to have with you and if you've by the way and if you've gone down a path where you feel unworthy then you're right where you need to be for Jesus to do really big things in your life to show you the value that he has bestowed on you because he forgives and he heals and he makes clean it's wonderful but he says I don't yield my glory to anybody what, what, what do we make of that well the jealousy that God has is perfect it's righteous it's good it's different than human jealousy I'll give you three thoughts right here God gives us commands to worship and obey him wholeheartedly this is for us not for him this is an important thing that I didn't I didn't come across and learn in my own discipleship till I was probably close to 30 years old God gives us commands to obey and, and instructions on how to worship him and that is for us not for him in other words God doesn't need my worship he doesn't need it the scripture is clear God needs nothing he needs nothing so he's not demanding my worship out of need he has the sinless angels that surround him day and night and worship him crying holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty the whole earth is filled with your glory God is surrounded by those who worship him he doesn't need our worship but he draws us into worship so that we might meet him there be fulfilled through that relationship experience something that this world cannot provide for us and worship our creator because that's what we were created for and there's fulfillment in that the second thing I want you to understand right here is that I want you to recognize that every aspect of your life gives glory has opportunity to worship and give glory to God every aspect of our lives gives us opportunity to worship and give glory to God first Corinthians 10 31 says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all to the glory of God and consider that our relationships are a big part of that so if the scripture saying everything you do is to give God glory then relationships are a huge part of how we can give God glory right is that 
everything, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, give God glory in doing that. Relationships are something that we do. Now, when, when we think of worship, I think most of us tend to think of worship as singing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when we, even when we talk about the worship service, we're like, oh man, worship was awesome tonight. Well, what we're referring to is when we're all singing and the band's leading us, and that is awesome, isn't it? It's awesome, man. Our, our band does a phenomenal job, and I love to just worship God with God's people and sing songs of praise. And, but worship is, we have opportunity for worship in every aspect of our lives, including in our relationships. Do I glorify God in this relationship? That's a way that I can worship God. Now, when we think of worship as singing, then, it, it, then it, there's a disconnect. But when I think all of life is worship, then that can connect me in a deeper way, in a more meaningful way to God. I used to think, like there's this one verse that says that we're to encourage one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and we should worship the Lord always. And I always thought, that's weird. Are you supposed to, is life supposed to be like a musical, you know? Like my favorite musical, my personal favorite musical is Shrek. It's the greatest musical that's ever been written. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Shrek appreciates your applause. So does Princess Fiona. And may we all laugh at Lord Farquaad till the day that we all pass from this earth. Right? Like so, so like, I love that. Like, that movie's awesome. And, uh, and they're all good. And I, I even, like, I watch this. You know you're a Shrek junkie when you watch the TV special of the Broadway play of Shrek the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I watched that, and it was good. It was awesome. Like, closest I've ever been to Broadway, but it was awesome. I want to go. You know what I'm saying? And so, I love Shrek. Love that. Love music. But, like, I used to think, like, what if life was a musical like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be so weird. And I, and I had the funniest experience when I went about seven, eight, nine years ago. I went to see this movie called Les Mis, which... I didn't know it's actually called something else, Les Miserables, but it looks like Less Miserables, and I literally pronounced it that, that way and got laughed at. Less Miserables, what's that? It sounds, sounds like maybe it's okay, it's less miserable than other movies, or you know, like, but it's not what it means because different language, and then, and then I go to see this movie, and Rob Conti had raved about the story, and I was excited because me and Rob have similar taste in movies and books and, and, and stuff like that, and so, and it was awesome. But, number one, they sung the whole time. B, <laughs> they sung in a different language. <laughs> one guy, let me, listen how this dude says it. This, this guy, he's, he talks about his experience going to this movie. This is a re review of Les Mis by Sam Richardson. Went to the movies with the wife. We saw this obscure movie I had never heard of, some French foreign film. They must have been giving away free tickets because the lines were out the door. Anyway, the movie starts and Wolverine is singing his guts out. <laughs> then Catwoman starts crying and singing, and it's all very moving. The only problem was the girl next to me, who had apparently read the book or something, starts singing along. It was very distracting. So Wolverine is on the run from the gladiator because Catwoman had a baby at Borat's house, but now she wants Wolverine to care for her. Time skip, a bunch of kids get shot, and in the end, everyone dies. Four stars. 
That's my kind of movie, movie review. <laughs> so, so how do we get this right? That like life is not a musical, but every aspect of life is an opportunity to worship God. So how, one of the biggest parts of life is relationship. This is friendships and relationships with the body of Christ. And for all of us, it ultimately is going to become romantic relationships, romantic relationships. Listen, listen. Y'all all are romantic. Fellas, I know you don't like to think about this, but you're romantic. We're all, God made us this way, and, and this is a real thing, okay? And so we want to get this right because God gave us relationships because he has a plan for relationships, and that plan is, first and foremost, that he would get glory through our acts of worship within the relationship. And one of the ways we do that is by loving somebody else more than we love ourselves. That's the gospel. It's wonderful. So how do we get it right? And per- particularly, how do we let this reality guide our relationships? Let me give you three thoughts and then, and then I'll do a conclusion. Number one, we have to recognize that the jealousy God has toward the person I'm looking at is real and see the see the relationship through that lens so the person that you're like in a relationship with or that you have a crush on or that you're dating or or that you're married to you see that person as someone that god is jealous for this person's peace purity holiness go back to what we talked about the other night god's goodness is seen through his love his mercy his grace his patience and he wants all of his children to receive that goodness And so when I'm loving this person, this is a child of God, and I need to see this person and this relationship that way. Number two, we have to understand that our lives in relationship with others give us an incredible platform to bring glory to God. Incredible platform. Number three, we talked about this early, we need to reject the world's ideas about what relationships should look like. Don't listen to movie stars and film people and, and, and your, your favorite uh, artists. Don't listen to what they have to say. Don't let that inform for you what relationships are supposed to be. The scripture is our authority on this. Anything outside of that is a sin. God designed it. It's his idea. It's his design. It's for his glory and our enjoyment and fulfillment, pleasure and holiness. It's God's idea. Relationships are God's idea. God God designed it so he tells us how to do it in a way that it'll be fulfilling. Like, think about this. Like, God, okay, God makes, you know, God creates the world and he creates the animals and he creates Adam, first man, but there's not a woman. He just creates the man at first. And then God gives Adam a job and he's like, he says, God caused all of the animals to pass before, um, before Adam. Remember that story? Read about that in Genesis 2, I think. One or two, Genesis 2. Yeah, one or two. And all the animal and that and God and Adam had a sweet job. He got to name the animals. And he was doing really good. He has some, he was on a roll. He was like, that, that's a zebra. Or as the Brits would say, a zebra. <laughs> that's a kangaroo. Doing, doing, doing. Like he's he's on a roll. Then he starts to lose some of his creativity. He's like, eh, we'll call that guy an ant eater. Where'd you come up with that? <laughs> well, he was eating some ants. I got I got some creative juices weren't flowing you know but he's getting to name all the animals and as he's naming the animals he realizes that they're all paired up boyfriend girlfriend boyfriend girlfriend husband and wife you know like whatever he didn't have that terminology i don't guess but he's like oh that's like he's like hmm these two look different the buck deer has horns 
Praise the Lord for that. Amen and amen and amen. We love, we love, you know what I love to do with a really big mature buck? Pet it. I just love to pet it, cuddle it. And I've only found one way to get them to stay still long enough for you to do that. <laughs> Some of y'all right now are like, oh my gosh, he's such a redneck. Like, I'm not, I'm not. It's just like, it's, it was just a funny joke. So, animals come through, he's naming them, but he's recognizing there's this relational component to the male and female, and he knows he doesn't have a female counterpart, and it says God causes a deep sleep to fall on him. Now, ladies, listen up. Big, big, big biblical truth right here. Deep sleep falls on him. While he's sleeping, God breaks his body open and takes part of his flesh to form the woman. What this is, is this is a foreshadowing into the future when Jesus' body will be broken sacrificially for his bride. This is the gospel. It's a foreshadowing of the gospel. And it's a reminder that relationships are forged in sacrifice, not selfish demands. And Adam is in this deep sleep, and when he wakes up, his wife's standing there. And you know what he does? He bursts out in song. He's like, this is the best day ever. Yesterday, I was looking at anteaters and orangutans. I thought I was going to have to settle for a girl orangutan, man. This is wonderful. He's so excited. You know, like, this is, this is God's design. And let me tell you something. I got a cousin that just bought a brand new Chevy pickup truck. He comes pulling in big fancy trucks now. So fancy, so nice. And I was like, man, that's really nice. He said, yeah, man, I, I first new truck I ever bought. And I was like, well, that's really cool. He said, yeah, you got to use this type of motor oil in it and there's this this type of service schedule and he's showing me all the warranty stuff now what if you took that truck and said you know what i changed my mind i think it would be better to run off-road diesel fuel in this truck even though it's a gas engine truck now ladies let me explain to you what would happen That ain't covered under warranty, you know what I mean? You just ruin that truck. Like, you don't take something that's designed by engineers and designers and people really smarter than me. They don't design something, and I go, I've got a better idea. Like, that doesn't work. But how much more God who knows? The Scripture says God knows your frame. It says he, that means he knows the way you think and respond emotionally. And that Jesus knows the number of hairs on your head. That you were woven gently and intentionally together in your mother's womb. That God knew you and had a plan for you before you ever came into this world. And that relationships might be part of that plan. But they are not part of that plan if they don't fit into God's plan for what relationships in our lives need to be. God loves you and he cares about you. And he wants you to be in a relationship that reflects worship and glory. So ask yourself this simple question. Is the glory of God on display in my relationships? And we'll give you a definition in closing for what glory is. The glory of God is the holiness of God put on display. That is, it is the infinite worth of God made manifest. I'm going to explain it. We'll be done. The glory of God is the holiness of God put on display. That is, it is the infinite worth of God made manifest. This is from John Piper. It's a definition from John Piper. What he's saying is God's glory is the purest, most radiant and brilliant and beautiful part of God that's put on display so that people might know God as he is. And he's saying to us, you were created for my glory. 
you and I in our lives can put God on display to the world. That's what we're striving for in relationships. And I'm telling you, anything short of that in relationships will bring brokenness and heartache and hardship. And you'd be like that girl. Look, I've always wondered what happened to that girl in the parking lot at Sky City that night. I don't know if she stayed with that dude. That was close to graduation for them. They were a year ahead of me. He, the dude was a year ahead of me. He graduated. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But if she stayed with him, she's lived a miserable existence. I'll tell you that right now, unless, unless they've met Jesus. But probably she didn't stay with him. She's probably been through this cycle of these types of relationships. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's live for his glory. Life is not a musical, but every aspect of our lives is an, ex is an opportunity for us to experience God and reflect his glory to other people. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.